Welcome to episode 48 of the J-Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J-Bunny. Well, everyone, for this episode, we have a, uh, re- a guest returning to the show for a, a second time. Well, returning for the first time, second time on the show. However you want to phrase it. Uh, Nevada Romo, who was previously on the show as a member of the band Texas Hippie Coalition, came back. Uh, this time we really focus on his band Anti-Mortem. They've got a new single coming. Our new single is already out. At the time that we recorded this, it had not been released yet. Uh, it's out now. We also talk about, you know, we talk about how the band formed, how they got signed, why they broke up, how they got back together, the lineup changes that occurred we also talk a bit about his other bands, Texas Hippie Coalition and Cosmic Wool. I really think that you guys are going to enjoy it. I know I enjoyed recording it. Without further ado, here's Nevada. What's up, everybody? It's Jay Bunny. I'm here once again on Skype, once again at home. Not drinking any Ghost Talk beer today, but that's because I'm still recovering from having my wisdom teeth out. But that doesn't mean that you can't drink Ghost Hawk beer from Clifton, New Jersey. Go ahead and check them out. They're fucking fantastic. Now, joining me on the show today, we have a return guest uh, who was on the show about two years ago as a member of Texas Hippie Coalition, Nevada Romo. How's it going, man? What's up, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, uh, you know, just getting through. Like I said, just had some wisdom teeth out. My, my, my head has been fucking killing me for like a week. Like, not even my teeth. I've just been having these crazy headaches, and uh, I assume it's because they had to surgically remove two teeth out of my face. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like to do that, you have to use something that probably resembles pliers, you know, and all that. You may be knocked out, but your body probably still remembers that it's, like, trauma, you know, traumatized, basically. No, see, that's the thing. They didn't even, like, I was, I had everything set up with the appointment and I took time off of work and everything. And I got in, I was like, all right, so you're going to knock me out. They're like, Oh no, if you wanted to be knocked out, we actually have to reschedule this. I was like, well, Oh my God, that's terrible. I was like, I've already made all of the arrangements for work and a, uh, a ride and what have you. So let's just fucking do it. So they just injected the shit out of my face. So I couldn't feel anything. And I was awake the whole time. Oh my God. That's so terrible. <laughs> that, that is, that is man. I, like I'm, I don't like dentists at all. Really. It's not that I don't like dentists for, you know, as people, I just, I don't like going there and, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm like one of those guys that like holds out to go to the doctor or anything like that. Probably the quote of the whole thing was like, like they're yanking on my face and it's like, and I hear the tooth starting to get ready to come out and they're like, oh, don't worry. When you hear cracking, cracking is good. I was like, oh, cracking is good. Great. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's not something anybody wants to hear. Yeah, yeah. So I had you and your brother uh, on the show about two years ago as members of Texas Hippie Coalition, and it just sort of came up in the conversation. I, I didn't realize, like, I'd been familiar with Annie Mortem, but not super familiar to the sense that I had known the individual members. So when it came up that you guys were in the band, I asked a little bit of, like, you know, what happened and so on, but we didn't really, we got cut short. I actually had to even cut some of the questions because the uh, tour manager was like, all right, we're kind of running out of time. Oh so, God. Yeah. They were, we were doing that. Wasn't that in Florida? No, no, no. It was in at the dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey. Oh dude. Okay. Dingbats. Yeah. I re- man, dude, that place is crazy. I haven't been there a little bit, but that we play there a bunch, honestly. Yeah. That was you guys and Cobra and the Lotus. And, oh God. Uh, that was a wonderful tour. Oh, uh, uh, and uh, another band I had on the show, a local band that I'm drawing a blank on. It makes me look a fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> Brand of Jewels. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Man, I'll tell you what. That uh, that tour, I will, go, I will never forget that tour for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so when it when it came up that you guys had been in, in Animortem, like I said, it didn't. we didn't get to dive into it as much. But you guys had what you said at the time was when I said, whatever happened to that band? And you guys said, well, we got fucked by Nuclear Blast. We had Ooh. bad management. We had bad management, mom and dadagers, and people lying to kids. And oh, was... God. We said that. We did say that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. And so, and we didn't get to talk about, but since we've got time, and this is sort of what we're talking about today, <laughs> I was wondering, like, if just not just like how the band ended or whatever, but could you sort of just recap for me from, from start to, to that finish, like how the band got together, getting to signed by Nuclear Blast, and then eventually breaking up? Like, can you sort of go over that with that i'll tell you what you got right to the good part right (laughs) i forget sometimes i say things i'm like did i say that oh i should be careful uh well i'll tell you this i've lately we have been we've tried to be very diplomatic and obviously with this you know with the situation they're in at that time you know i i think in my mind i I don't think we thought the band was probably gonna get back together so i'm gonna try to be kind on how i word all this because i do respect a lot of these people that are involved at the same time though you know there is a reason that you know 
different people are kind of working in this right now. But so that's a long. What would you want me to start? Like, what part in particular are you? Are you I mean, I guess just start at start start at the beginning. Like, how did you guys decide? Like, how did you guys get together? How did how did how did getting together get you on with Nuclear Blast? And well, like, I guess we're all like we're all like childhood friends, obviously, because if we were signed by, I think God, I don't, I don't remember, it's like eighteen or something like that. Now we got a development deal with Roadrunner first. It was Roadrunner first that we were talking to, and then it was Nuclear Blast and I'm signing with. But um, so. We were all like childhood friends, you know, going to school together, working on music at, you know, like Zane, the other guitar player, his parents uh, had a, a property outside of town. And so we would just, they would be gone all week. Uh, most of the, I think like Wednesday to Monday, pretty much they were gone. So, I mean, we had the entire half the week and then the weekend to just run amok. And we did. And, you know, we'd throw parties out there and stuff in this airplane hangar. Actually, the the truck stop special video and the stagnant water video are filmed on that property and stuff that, you know, we, we, we would have band practice out and stuff. But anyway, though, but long story short, as kids really, you know, kind of generated some attention locally, you know, just doing our own parties and stuff. And then it turned into promoters here and that we were getting 250 kids or 300 kids together to do shows. And then we're doing, you know, local battle, the bands and selling tickets. And really, I think just the band had a lot of momentum in, in our local area at that time. It was really, you know, something that you could we could get people out. You know, the bands, uh, the band was just, at, you know, we were, as kids, it was just able to draw. And I think people started to notice that. And then we would get, we got some bigger entities involved with us. We played at the Diamond Ballroom in like 2011 or 12 with Black Label Society and Texas Hippie Coalition, which is hilarious. Uh, that they run the that we run the bill as they run the bill as well. And uh, Monty Connor from, I believe he was at Roadrunner at the time, and then he ended up going to Nuclear Blast. We we, we ended up like. We had like four or five songs that we did with Roadrunner and we went and recorded those with Bob Marlette. And I'd say about that time, we we're probably 19 or so, or no, I think I was 20. Yeah, I think it was 19 or 20, somewhere in there. Yeah, but we, we flew out there, lived in LA for two or three months and then did the first like three or four songs on New, or, uh, yeah, New Southern. And then we ended up flying back home. And then the whole project was sh not shelf, but on their end was shelf because they wanted us to replace our drummer. And so we had to get a new drummer and all that stuff, which was really sucked. Cause, and that's really honestly what started a lot of problems with the band was the original drummer and me and Rado had started the group before we met Zane and uh, everybody else in it in a different town. When Rado, God, Rado was 11, I think. He played bass and uh, he didn't sing at the time. We had a different singer. And then Mitchell and me, Mitchell played drums and I played guitar still. So when he left the band, for me, I didn't have as much fun. But I mean, this is still really early in the group. He probably left when I was about 19 or so. And then we got Levi in uh, after going through a couple drummers, went back out, and then Monty had gone to Nuclear Blast and then pitched us to them because Roadrunner was they at Roadrunner at that time. Paul Gray had just died, and then uh, Nickelback's album, uh, their deal was up, up basically, and so they were up for renegotiation. And like you know, if you know anything about the industry, usually three or four powerhouses pay for a lot of really like great records no one ever hears to get made and so like when you don't have that power also your label you don't have the signing power you used to have you know um, right. and so they nuclear is where he went so we went to nuclear blast with, with monty and sorry i'm smoking weed at the second That's fine. <laughs> um, anyway but uh nuclear blast was a pretty good home for us i think I, i've definitely i will say the basically the problem where the group got to was that you know me and Rado basically just felt like we didn't really get a chance to actually deal with the business of our band or like really, cause you know, a lot of this stuff is phone calls and teams and planning and all that stuff. And our complaint about really, I think a lot of it was, is that Zane was the person that would end up getting the phone number, but he had like a, he's like a weird sleeping schedule and he's only really awake at night. Uh, and then he's asleep during the day. And so he didn't miss the calls. And then his mom would end up answering the stuff, which I don't think she necessarily wanted to. I think she just, somebody had to talk to him. And so there was just like a lot of it that we just didn't have any say control over. We would take tours. We really weren't into taking. We would end up just all kinds of different stuff. And I think that's really where things kind of begin to turn into. And then, you know, and then we after put the we put the album out and then we didn't come off the road for like, God, like two or three years. It was just relentless. It was probably about two years straight, I'd say. And we had been doing about two years up to that point of just relentless playing as well. You know, so, I mean, that made for a lot of the powder keg situation. I guess that kind of that kind of explains i guess what i'm getting at if that makes sense like the label was you know when i when i say mom and dadagers like I, I think that you know zane's parents were 
they were super helpful. There was so much they did for us that I can't, you know, we were kids at the time. So there's a lot of stuff that, you know, they really did help with. But I will say that's like kind of where that comment comes from is basically just there was not a good line of communication between us and our manager who and our manager was uh, Justin Archangel who had like Trivium and uh, he personally managed Corey Taylor and then also Limp Biscuit and a Buck Cherry and a couple other bands. And, uh, you know, when you get on firms that size so many times, like you just you I mean, you wait forever to get a phone call back about, you know, the artwork being done. And then, you know, the budgets are just bloated on everything. And it's it, it just I think all of that kind of just burned us out on it. And then by the time we've been on the road for a year or two, we were just I mean, we were like <laughs> I mean, we were at the point where we about beat the shit out of all. I mean, we about had like a, a, a just a like flat out brawl in front of machine head probably i got at least like 15 nights of that 30 night tour that we did and then the same we the i think it, we were on tour with the butcher babies i want to say and there was a, a festival that we found out we got there that we weren't on we were actually on the after party and so we were all just pissed off about that because we just drove really far and uh, so we go to start setting up and i think alter bridge is right next to us in their bus Dude, they probably thought we were lunatics. I mean, it was just fucking people running in and out, slamming shit, freaking the fuck out. But that night, we basically had kind of came to the conclusion. It's like two camps had broken up. There was like Levi, Z- uh, Zane, Corey, and then the rest of our crew, and then me and Rado. And, you know, they, they'd gotten an argument over somebody had brought their girlfriend out or something, and someone's mad where someone slept or something. And then, you know, something about where we ate breakfast that morning, I mean, just the stupidest shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, again, we're all like, you know, 21 or something. But I just think, you know, a lot of people you get signed and you think, you know, like you're just going to walk into a building and they're going to give you like it's like the rock star building. You get like a jacket, and like a leather jacket, a nice like Maserati and like they hand you the keys to a house. It just doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? Right. And right. I think just the amount of time and stress and then when no one's having fun anymore and you have so many creative differences just on it really wasn't ever even on music either. Like music was one thing we all pretty much agreed on and like playing. I mean, we would definitely get into, I think we made better music out of the competition of all of it, but at the same time that when that came to business or running the band, that just didn't work out very well. You know, now that all being said, we reunited the band back in 2018 and did, uh, we did one show and sold it out. And I, I had went move. I tried to contact Zane and reach out to him a bunch to try to get him to, to rejoin. And he just wouldn't answer me. And so I just moved forward and put a band together and we started selling tickets and doing the show. And then like two days before the show, Zane, out of nowhere, I get a phone call. And he's like, what's up, motherfucker? And I was like, I could tell it was him. And I was like, what are you doing calling me right now? And, and we end up, t- he ended up coming over to my house that night. It was like probably 11. We ended up talking to like, I think the, the whole night. And then the next day I took him over to Rado's. Uh, he lived a couple of towns away from us. And uh, I, I just said, right, I just sit in the car. And so we, we pulled up and Rado could see us. And he starts walking up and he just starts shaking his head. Like, are you freaking serious right now? You really going to do this to me? <laughs> and so we talked about it, hashed everything out. We got to where we wrote a bunch of songs. We spit on, and he played the last two. That was the night before that reunion show. So he ended up playing like the last two songs of the night with us. And then that restarted a whole dialogue with everybody where, I mean, now we're all pretty good friends. And we had, had decided we were going to write a whole album together. And we were going to have Levi, the original drummer, which is, he's not the original drummer, but he's the drummer for New Southern, right. uh, which is the one most people know. And then Zane, and then we had our, our original bass players named Colby uh, Thompson. He's in the band now. He's He was in the band before Corey, but Corey was the guy that was on New Southern, though. But he was playing bass for us. And, you know, we had wrote some songs and, you know, it seemed like we had momentum going. But Zane, though, has also got a band called Locust Grove, though, that is like... They're on the same management label, actually, as Cobra and Lotus is. And he's done really well with them. And he's the lead singer of that band. And the writer, I mean, he like he learned how to... Because me and Rado, whenever the band broke up, we probably did... We made an indie label and put out like a funky space band thing. I don't know what you call it. Cosmic Wolf was like a, a band we did for probably two or three years. And it was just like, uh, we just didn't want to play metal anymore. We were pretty burnt on it. And then THC offered me a gig and I'd really, their crowd was always really good to us and they were really good people. And then they, they kept offering me more money and more money. And I was like, okay, I can't say no to this. This would be stupid if I did. And so I joined that, started working with them, you know, and that's, uh, you know, kind of how we got in with those guys. But that was, there was probably two or three years that we were doing Cosmic Wool while he was doing Locust Grove. And he has done really good by that band. They tour all over the freaking place. They've got a really good following. And so I think in that time we were writing songs last year, we just kind of all realized that, 
you know, like, like his like priority is definitely that. And it should be because he's got a great band and I, it makes, it's kind of like a Dave Mustang thing with, my, with Metallica. Like, I feel like we kind of had that, pr- that problem basically of having so many leaders in the group that it was like, it just made sense that Zane was, and that's so when it basically we had a, this, the show we just played, we just did two sold out nights in Oklahoma city like a month and a half ago or so. And that show was canceled because of COVID and stuff. We'd booked it back in like December and that's whenever Zane and everybody was still in the group and everything was cool. And then we kind of, Zane had gone on tour from like November through like early January and I had just got off tour. And so we were working on, you know, I was trying to call him all the time, like getting the stuff set up. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to book the show. I'm going to book the show. Everybody say yes. And uh, everybody was cool with it. Well, then they shut everything down. Well, then like last minute, I'm scrolling through Facebook and the venue I see is saying, we're, hey, we're reopening again on June 19th. And I was like, think I was like, that's the date I have booked. I was like, Oh God, are they telling me right now that I had it? I had like three weeks of the show when they announced it. And like, you know, I got people, I got to fly in. I don't even have a band anymore. Cause freaking, you know, cause uh, Zane had basically said that we'd all decided we weren't going to do it anymore, basically. And uh, not, we decided we, that we were going to go for the different lineup, but we hadn't had to really think about it cause everything was shut down. And so I called Timmy and, you know, and we just basically, I called Timmy and then Colby was still with us. And then it was kind of this thing about, okay, who are we going to get on guitar? And uh, I have a friend here in Oklahoma City that he's really talented. God, the guy has played with a, a bunch of people. Like, he ends up getting a lot of like, last-minute work with people. He's got a group in Oklahoma City called Sign Alive, but he's a really good kid. He's, like, 21 or something like that. And, I mean, like, he's super – I just – and I knew the kid from kind of working on the scene with him, and I just sent him a message. I said, hey, you know, we're looking for another guitar player. Would you be interested? If you are, learn these five songs in a half hour, and I'll pick you up. And he learned them all in a half hour, like the leads to everything. So, I mean, like uh, out of nowhere, a lineup popped up and it just kind of started rolling where it was like, okay, we're going to get this together. And, you know, we had decided we were going to put some music out, but we didn't know. I mean, honestly, it just kind of happened where that show went so well. I had more people wanting more shows and like, well, we have this music. It's like, it just made sense to do it. So, yeah. So long story short, just, I kind of want to say like, I'm not, no one's mad or upset with anybody at this point. It's just kind of at that point where it's like, okay you got to like, you have a great group and a good thing going. And it would be a shame to not do that, you know, for him. And, um, and it's, you know, and with Levi, really Levi was just so busy. It's he was having a, I mean, he even had told us he really couldn't do it because he was just between working and all the stuff he was doing. He was just having a hard time, you know, making the practices and writing sessions and stuff, which I said, again, I've got no, I've got no beef with any of those guys. I wish him the best, but Again, like now it's like things for us, they run really smooth right now. You know what I mean? There's no animosity and it's like kind of working in THC had kind of taught us how to, you know, just be a little more mature with all this stuff. Honestly, I mean, Rich does such a good job of running that camp. It's not even funny. I've learned so much from him being in the band, you know, I can't like say how, you know, I'm extremely grateful. And that's the thing too. A lot of people ask us, are you guys done with THC? We're like, no, that's not the plan. You know, we intend to stay in THC. It's just I also miss playing this music a lot. It definitely means a lot to us, so that's why we wanted to continue it. All right. Well, you sort of answered like half half of my questions there. That's great. <laughs> so yep. one of the th- you, you just real quick just uh, you mentioned Cosmic Wool. Is that band still a thing, or is that sort of over now? Or uh, no, it's not that it's. I mean, it, it's not over. It's just at this point, I can only do like I know. I've heard Maynard say before. He does like basically one thing one week at a time. You know what I mean? And so like he doesn't just stay in one. And right now, I've got it. If I want to really do well for THC and for anti-mortem, I can only split my brains up, my brain up in so many pieces. So it's not that that band's over. It's just we're like doing this right now. And then when we get, there'll come a time where I'm gonna be so burned out on metal for a little bit, but I'm gonna want to play something funky and I'll call Drew and we'll start working on some music. But it's definitely not broke up. It's not this. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, because you guys gave me that. uh, You guys gave me a copy of that when I met you guys uh, two years ago, and I really dug that. In addition, oh, did you listen to it? Yeah, yeah, I was, and actually, before when I was doing the interview prep, I was listening to a bit of the Antimortem record, a bit of the uh, the Cosmic Wool record. I would listen back to our old interview to get the the, some of the quotes. Listening to a bunch of this shit right before we (laughs) sat down. Well, that's cool. Okay, so one of the uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was, and it's it's I guess it's a sort of a silly question, but I noticed that there your your old um, Annie Mortem Facebook page, nah. like the the, ver- the verified one, is still there, but then you guys also made a new one. Were yeah. you not able to get control of that verified page? Well, I guess I mean these are good questions people are going to start asking. So I'm honest. I mean I've done my best to avoid answering most of this stuff, but. 
Um, so, okay, I'm not saying that we're not in good standing with the label. It's just, I don't, like, basically, like I said, Zane was the person that did most of the talking to all these entities. I've reached out to our management to no avail. I've reached out to Nuclear Blast. I've seen that they see the message. They told us last year they were cool with us getting back together and doing stuff, and they were excited about it. But, you know, I have an indie label and that I've put out, like, I put a bunch of crap out on our indie label. And it's been, like, something I've really, I cherish having that because it moves quickly. And with all these people, like, whether it's management or whoever, like, for L.A. and New York, the world's pretty much ended. And no one does. Like, I got a booking. We have a booking agent in L.A. And the guy just is like, I, I, I don't want to get too much business stuff, but just the dude is, you know. For him to go into the office to get things done right now, I can't say that that's really their reality out there. They, you know, they're holding on to money and holding business up. And so, you know, Nuclear Blast, for what I understand, had told us that we were, you know, that they were eager and excited. And then, you know, I've reached out to them a time or two and I haven't heard much. So I'm just at this point where it's like, you know, I'm not going to wait around for them to, you know, decide to answer their messages or, and that's really how big labels work. I mean, they're like, I, you know, we're still technically signed to their label, but it's like, you know, to get them to answer the phone, return an email, and that's but that's any label. That's just honestly any label. So, yeah. So long story short, there's like our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, the actual email for the band, all of that stuff is like, and that's what sucks. Cause it's like, you go to look us up, you go to that page, you wouldn't know we were doing anything. You know, you got to scroll down for a minute to find that one. And I've, again, I've reached out to them and like, Hey, can you give us our password? Cause Whenever the band broke up, they were basically like, screw you guys, and kicked us off everything and continued having the page so they could sell, you know, Nuclear Blast merch, basically. Right, yeah, which, uh, that, that's actually, because I didn't get the, the album at the time, that's actually how I got the album, was eventually seeing an ad. I don't know if it was through specifically the Annie Morton page, although <coughs> I did see it there before, where they were doing some sort of sale last year around... Uh, it was around Thanksgiving. It was like a Black Friday sale. Yeah. It was like super deep discounts. And so I got a shit ton of, of their uh, uh, CDs, uh, the Animortem album being one of them. Yeah, probably. Because they're like, you know, I mean, I don't know. I could go on and bitch forever about labels, but I won't do that to you. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> what's funny is that that was sort of going to be my next. I, I asked you this last time, but it's been a couple years. And I ask everybody that's been on the show. <laughs> how do you feel about the state of where the music industry is right now? <laughs> I think it's in a great place. I think there's so many blatant problems that are so easy to fix. If someone just goes to work, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like the money's there. If you want to make it, you just gotta, you know, answer the phone calls. And, and, you know, I mean like I've, right now, that's the thing is I've got a team right now. Like, you know, our label has kind of a board of people that like a think tank we work with. And, you know, like the, the people that are involved in the project now, you know, because I mean, your management, your the people that produce the albums, all that stuff. God, it's so important. You know what I mean? Having a good workflow with people where they answer phone calls and they're interested in what they're doing. You know, that's that's probably more valuable than anything in the world. And that's what we have right now. So I'm really happy and excited about that. And I feel like that it's the same way with like the government, like the government spends like seven thousand dollars on a hammer whenever it's like $35 or $5, you know what I mean? They just bloat the budgets up and that's kind of what labels do anymore. And they always have is they make these, you know, these just ridiculous budgets that no one's ever going to pay back. You know what I mean? And, uh, I just think that like the model that they have for, do it's like that Carvana thing that, you know, have you seen that where they got the escalator have, yeah. glass thing. Like that's a great innovation on selling cars. And that's the thing is we have a place where people don't know how to sell a band anymore. And so it's going to take people like saying, okay, I'm tired of waiting on you to answer the phone. Like, you know, I don't want to get into too much business stuff, but there's just a yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. things a person can do right now on their, on their own and by themselves that like a label has been completely made useless by like four websites. Right. And then from the, from the standpoint of how people consume music, it really seems like fans these days, I am not like this, but it seems like the general populace would rather just subscribe to Spotify and say, fuck buying the music, which I, I don't. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't think you, I don't think anybody buys music anymore. I mean, I don't know why you would because it's free, you know. I mean, that's the, and that's that's the problem is that the product is no longer there's no longer a product for a band anymore. A band used to have like that's why you see merch inflated on prices so high. That's why the ticket place play, uh, the ticket price inflated so high. And then you know, like now we're at the point where it's like you know those VIP meet and greets things like that. Man, those those are things that came out of trying to replace the, the actual like the album income and but that money was so much of a large percentage of people's you know uh, operations that it's just i mean it's just cut the legs out from underneath the industry so but again i think like i said it, when you have i don't think that 
you know, someone should make those things illegal. We just need better ideas. We're just at a place that like people are going to have to stop waiting to start their career until someone comes up and signs them and says you're worth a damn whenever it's like, there's a bunch of bands that if they just get going on their own and they don't let someone else steal their momentum, I, you know, and again, I don't, I, I've got, you know, I'm signed to E1 with uh, THC. I don't have a lot of bad things to say about that label all by any means. Like they've done pretty good by us. And, you know, I can't say we talk to them all the damn time. I can't say that, you know, like I'm real good buddies with anybody there, but I definitely know a couple guys and I've had a beer or two of them while we've been on the road and stuff. And I will say with anti-mortem, our manager, I mean, he was really cool. He took on a lot of stuff. I think honestly, he just had a band of dipshits that were all like 18 to like 20, you know? And so that alone is probably a bad investment for anybody. But at the same time though, you know, it, it was a great record. It was that we put out, it was a fun time. And, but at the you know, same time for us, there was a long part of the band before that part. And then there's going to be a part of the band after that stuff. You know what I mean? Like new Southern was fun, but I mean, I didn't even want to call it that. I hate the album cover. There's not anything. I mean, there's very few things. I, the song new Southern, like those lyrics I wrote when I was like 11, I think, or like 12, it was one of the first songs I wrote. And someone, I left the studio, got an argument with, uh, I think the producer or something. And, uh, I was about to fly out the next day. So I was like, screw this shit. I'm going back to the hotel. I've, I've done all my stuff. Everything's pretty much wrote. They can figure lyrics out to this last song. And I leave and they use Rado just like, like is going through his lyric notes and pulls this old song out called rainy day. And then he, sh he just starts singing over there and they show me the song. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? So that like that song, I didn't even like, there was, I think there was a song or two we kicked off to put that on there. So again, and it's just all that stuff that when it comes to me and Rado's like idea, we want that. I mean, cause Rado writes like probably. I'd say 85% of the lyrics and I, I usually on an album end up bringing, I'd say like, I'll bring lyrics for probably maybe a song or two and then parts of stuff. And then Rado will sort through that or I'll give working titles to stuff. And then we'll kind of get work on an idea. We'll maybe write some stuff together, but I generally end up taking care of, you know, a large percentage of the music and then Zane would do the same thing. So it was really, you know, like half the band would be writing, but that half of it, I mean, half of the group was, you know, me and Rado essentially when it came to the, to like the writing and the material and the creativeness of the band. And we had no say on artwork or any of that stuff. And it has so much to do because they're like, you know, we just paid the guy that did five finger death punches albums, 600 bucks to do yours. And like, great. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you don't want to you know complain and shit, but it's like, you know, it doesn't really. And that's where I think now in this day and age, there's just, you know, it doesn't take long to get educated well enough to try to figure out how to be more a part of these processes and really get your message or your idea of the art across. I think that, may, that maybe that's why the music industry is such a bad place is because you got like, you know, 20 dudes that are all like 58 running like the way everything looks, sounds and hears, especially when it comes to rock anymore. Like kids have really innovated hip hop and, you know, pop music in the last like 10 to 15 years quite a bit. And it's much more user friendly, consumer friendly. And I mean, there's so many aspects of why pop and hip hop are working right now that rock has got to figure out how to like, you know, to rebrand and remarket itself, essentially, you know what I mean? But I think it's cool, though, because I feel like rock is kind of like punk was at one point where it's like it or like heavy metal when it first came out, where it's like it's not just the average person's music anymore. It's really you are a very you are a, uh, a subgroup. You know what I mean? It is the counterculture to some degree because it is not the popular culture by any means. Right, right, right. So we're recording this in July, but as of the the release of this podcast, you guys will have released uh, your new single, uh, Old Washita. Is that going to be standalone or is that going to be part of, because I know you said you guys have been writing, is that going to be part of a, an EP or an album eventually? Or? I cannot wait to hear how many ways people pronounce that single. I haven't heard that one yet. It's it's, it's Washita is the word, but it's, oh, shit. it's an Oklahoma Indian River. So I have, there's no reason why anybody should be able to pronounce that. So that's totally cool. <laughs> All uh, right, well. But yeah. <laughs> but um well honestly it kind of goes back to where we're talking about like you know you said the state of the industry i don't think right now any band that thinks that the budget for a 10 song album and for the rate it takes to get put out that those things all make sense as much as they used to and i don't know how valuable those things are anymore if that makes sense like a, an album by the time it's being done recorded and processed through and everything's approved and, and, and finally released it's one, it's a year process. And then you tour on it for a year. The industry right. changes every like four months at this point, you know what I mean? And so like, you'll hear something that's just like, whether it's new plugins coming out for this or that on, you know, recording stuff or, you know, whether it's new sounds and tones or 
whatever it is. I, I think that like when you see like Post Malone or like the Suicide Boys or Ghost Mane, any of those people that are, you know, big hip hop artists right now or pop stars, they're putting content out every month, every two months. They've got something out. It's got new artwork. It's new. And most of it's always got a video. So at this point, what we're our plan has been is we just want to keep we're just going to put, keep putting as many singles out as we can. And then we'll probably do something where we compile it to get into an album or something or maybe just decide we're going to do an album. But at this point, I, we want to just, you know, we want to stay, you know, I think that rock is going to need to stay giving it because all these people have turned their stuff into content, essentially, where you're like you're on their, you know, you have their Twitch account, you're following, you know, somebody on Post Malone's crew or whatever that's on tour, all that, you know, they, they figured out ways that people though that's people don't go to the radio anymore for music and rock relies so much on your has in the past on, you know, uh, rock rock radio terrestrial radio and it just doesn't exist anymore so we just you know what i mean that's why so for us i think singles is a really good idea and that's kind of we've got like this single and we're gonna put a, another song out in september that we'll be you know releasing stuff on not too far from now all right yeah I, I know what you mean with with the different i'm trying to think of what i can't think of the 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 platform but i know that for example like the band bad wolves they're on they're on one of those sort of subscription crowdfund type things where you get where you get like a you know where they do not just behind the scenes and what have you what is it patreon uh, or something it might be, i think it is patreon um yeah there's just so many well. there's so so many of those out these days that i don't yeah. i wasn't sure which one they were using but i think it might be <laughs> patreon and they've been doing all these covers and stuff which i've seen clips of hmm. uh some of them are, are pretty damn good but yeah it just seems like the, the they are sort of i mean and they they still get you know, on the radio and what have you too. But, you know, there people are just approaching it from, from different angles to try and see what works. Yeah. I think we're going to, I think we're going to find out really. Cause it's like, it's like when MySpace or Facebook was, you know, MySpace is a really good example. Actually, when MySpace first came out, I mean, that was like before YouTube was out. So you consume music on MySpace. I mean, I was a kid, like that's when anti-mortem started. We had a MySpace. So we did, I mean, right, right. Still up, you know, and I think that like the crowd, you'll figure it, we'll figure out one day where the crowd's at, but it's just not on the radio. It's, you know, like, sl- like slowly that XM radio crowd is getting smaller and smaller that, you know, that the cat crowd in Oklahoma city or, you know, uh, what is that? Uh, there's a radio station in LA. That's a big, it used to be a big radio rock market. It's just dead. I don't think they're open anymore. Is it K Rock? Is K Rock still open? Well, I think there's, there's still a K Rock in, in LA. The one in New York shut down years ago, but. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure it did. I mean, that's the, everybody gets excited to go to those markets and tour, and they're terrible. I mean, like nobody gets out. It's so crazy, but there's just so much to do. If you're in New York, you you only go to the bar that's downstairs in your building or that's on your block. And if you're in LA, you know, if you're not, there's no cool rock clubs. They're all like like I remember when I was like 18 or 19. We got into the Viper Room because our management was managing Buck Cherry at the time. They just signed a deal with them. And they were putting a new album out. I remember thinking, like, oh, we're going to the Viper Room. This is crazy, all the history here. Man, it looked like the shittiest club. This like small the parking was terrible, drinks were expensive. You know, I mean it was cool. Like it was cool. They had like this like this underneath lounge where you could drink and stuff and hang out and watch, but tiny little room, you know? And so right. and those it's just gotten where there's less of those clubs and they just, you know, people just don't show up the way. And you know, I could maybe maybe I just make really shitty music. Nobody wants to come see. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but you know, at the same time, I from what I hear from other bands I know, you know, the bands that you know, I that you would think would do pretty damn well, but that's but it's when you find a like a rarity like a band like said like Avatar, those guys do good. They've I they have figured band. out something, you know, and they're online the way that they that they deal with their people, the way that they uh you know uh, market themselves. They're interesting. There's I remember they came they were on tour and put a record out at the same time we put New Southern out, and their album didn't do, do as good as ours did uh, whenever it came out. And I remember them being at the machine shop in uh, Flint, Michigan. We were, too. Like, I think they were there the night before us. And I just saw their stage and all this stuff, and I was like, wow, that is really crazy and innovative, you know? And now, I will say, I think they do pretty damn good. You know what I mean? Those guys those guys play a lot of really cool shows, and they seem to have a pretty good audience to to their music, you know? So... You know, so I don't know. It's you know, it's it's anybody's guess on how to fix all these industry issues. You know, so yeah. that's the million so, dollar question. <laughs> right, right. So you know, you mentioned a bit before about shows being canceled due to due to coronavirus. Like, had the coronavirus shit not happened, what would you have been doing like right now here in in like you know late July, early August? Well, honestly, it hasn't really stopped. We've had one tour. We had a major tour, two major tours canceled, which I will say that would have made my year considerably different. But I will say when we're not doing major tours, we do a lot of like one-offs and weekends and stuff randomly. 
I will say like there was a two to three month period that we didn't work or do anything at all. And then, uh, what was it? May, May things started to lift a little bit. And then that's whenever, honestly, i right now I've got like on the first we'll play, um, with THC and then I have to fly in on the eighth to do another show in, I think Ohio. And then we fly in again on the 15th in Wisconsin. And then we've got a, sh- uh, uh, a small fall tour we're doing with, uh, anti-mortem so i mean really i've honestly we've stayed as busy as we really could i mean we just we've we had like i said we had a a, a full u.s tour we had to cancel and that definitely sucked there we would have already you know been but i think as, right now we would be out uh on the second you know leg of that basically we're still promoting a high in the saddle you know because where this would be our our second year of promotion into we should be coming into it which we're going to go in to start writing a new album but we should have been touring this whole year on that so we kind of got robbed of the tour cycle of it honestly now, uh, would you guys? I mean, I guess it would be up to booking and what have you. But w- w- is there any possibility on a on a on a THC tour of maybe having Annie Mortem like open? You know, we've done that before. You know that, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> well, but in in while you were in both bands, though. No, we have not. We have not. We, uh, anti. That's how I met all these guys. Anti Mortem. They took us. They anti THC took Anti Mortem out in like 2014. And God, I've before that we played a hundred shows with them. And their old band, I didn't get along with anybody. I never really met Rich before. And so when I met Rich, finally, because they'd asked us to come on tour, we were like, and they, they offered us pretty good money, and they fed us really good. Uh, and then by the time the tour was over, they had won us. I mean, we were playing pranks on each other and stuff. And like a THC and Anton Morton were always really good friends, honestly. And so that's whenever they hit me up. I was, you know, I was like, ah, this makes sense, you know. But yeah, I don't know. We've talked to, there was talk of us doing a show together. It was, we, we had talked about something this month a couple months ago but we had decided i will say though i don't know that i want to do that man that's i mean that's a lot of like having to play and then yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. i mean it'd be one thing if like because cosmic wool's opened for thc before and that band's not near but man i'll tell you what after an anti mortem set i am destroyed and then after it because thc will do an hour and a half sometimes i mean like i couldn't imagine 30 days of that i'd be in really good shape after that that's that's fair enough yeah, you, know, you just mentioned that you guys kind of already have stuff planned. I keep seeing, I mean, I keep personally seeing speculation that the touring really isn't going to go back to normal until next year or the following year because you know we still have these hot spots and what have you. There's there's nothing happening out here in in, in like Jersey right now as far as shows and stuff and even oh, like shit dude you're in jersey man i didn't even realize that i'm in oklahoma so we, we're definitely probably living pretty different life right now i'd imagine yeah 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 because like i i know that like there was a show in wisconsin just this weekend i think like static x and it was supposed to be a bigger festival than that i don't know if it was as yeah big as QNC, planned it, it was but... probably the qnz festival thing they're doing out there in ringle uh i have right, a bunch right. of friends i love that place yeah what happened with it? They canceled or something? Well, no, no, like it happened. But I know that, like, for example, like I remember when they first were talking about it, they were calling it the Herd Immunity Fest, and that got a lot of really bad press. <laughs> a, a couple of couple of bands dropped off because of that. Like, I think Power Man 5000 and Nonpoint both were like, fuck that. We're not doing it if it's that. Oh, my God. That's the I know Peggy, that person that owns that. I can just see her saying that shit. That's hilarious. And then, like, I know that, that Boba Flex, like, they Boba Flex had split up, but they were going to be doing a reunion at that show, and then, like, they're fucking van broke down so they couldn't make it oh my god dude you know i know boba uh tommy what's tommy what's his last name Johnson, uh the bass the player yeah oh the, no, the bass well, player the bass player is jimmy 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 tolland maybe is that what his name is yep that's right yeah that dude's really cool he he's uh he came there a couple of their guys came to a thc show and i remember though they had announced they were breaking up i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it they've uh this guy's been together for a long time man well, what they basically did, the reason they did that was because, you know, the, the, the sort of the driving force of that band was the McCoy brothers. And Sean was like, all right, I got to, like, be home with my kid. I can't be on the road anymore. And, oh, so wow. they, and so they said they didn't really feel right still being Boba Flex without Sean. So right. the rest of the bit. So they said, OK, Boba Flex is done. And then just the rest of the guys stayed together and just they were they had been working on a Boba Flex record that they just they, they renamed the band uh, The Lonely Ones. And it's just those four guys now minus Sean. And, hmm. you know, they actually just put out an awesome Queen cover of uh, the Flash Gordon song. Oh, that's really cool. And I'll have, to uh, look you know, at that. I'll have to check that out. That's really neat. I love Boba Flex. Those guys are great. That, I could I remember like uh, they were on God Gigantor in like 2005 or six, 2006. Yeah, it was, the, maybe. It was 2005. It was the first year. That was how I that was how I got introduced to them was that they God. were one of the side stage bands for that very first Gigantor. 
Yeah, whoever their management was or whoever got that to happen, that was awesome. Good for those guys. Because I'm telling you, they got a lot of good. I remember seeing them. Somebody like painted themselves in like red or something, I feel like. Or like they just look crazy. And I remember being like, who is this band? That is the, it was one of my favorite band names for like probably five or six years. I was, I was, I was probably like, God, 2005, I was, I think I was 11. No, I wasn't even that crap. I was like 10. Oh, wow. I would know I was 11. I was 11. Gee, no, I was 12. I was 12. That's all. See, meanwhile, I was 22 at the time. <laughs> yeah, I was a 12 year old walk around going, Boba Flex, Boba Flex. I just said over and over again because it was like my favorite word, you know. So it's really funny that I like I know those guys now, you know, they're not that much older than I am. But when, you know, when you're 12 and like you said, 22, there's a pretty good uh, maturity difference there. On, yeah, you know, yeah. So. Oh, it was funny because like I saw them on that tour and then right after that, they did a tour with, um, Mudvayne, Seven Dust, and Ten Years. Oh and, my God! And me and my brother saw them on that tour also. And then I sort of lost track of them. That's and my then, dream is to tour with Mudvayne. That's crazy that they did that. I, I, they I did. would just, I would love Mudvayne to be a thing again. God, <laughs> I, we've Rado pissed Chad Gray off when we were kids. We were uh, playing a festival with him one time uh, in Sacramento or something, and they were at the catering table, and they should let us in there. We're fucking. We were like. You know, we're like, there's rock stars. We're going to go talk to all of them. They should have kept us out with the bands or something. But anyway, so we went over there and bothered him about like, hey, man, what's up, dude? You going to get Mudvayne back together? And he did not want to talk about that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like I had lost track of, of Boba Flex. And what happened was, you know, they had been when they were, did those tours, they were signed to TVT and then T- TVT hmm. went out of went out of business and they really? went independent and I sort of lost track of them. And then and then being independent they still got uh they they that one song home fucking exploded was getting airplay on Sirius XM and whatnot and then yeah. their bass player at the time Jared who we had like I I didn't ever know him but some I I wonder sometimes how people find me on Facebook because he randomly <laughs> like he found me on Facebook he sent me a friend request and at first I was like is this for real or is this someone pretending to be the bass player for Boba Flex? And like, it was really him. And then I found out that they were playing at the Stanhope house in Stanhope. Oh yeah. That's a cool and, place. I like Stanhope house. And, and so we, so I went to that show and got back in touch with them that way. And I've become just real tight with those dudes ever. Like anytime they come to the area, I go check them out. I've had yeah. uh, Marty on the, on the podcast. Uh, Jimmy was going to be when they were first announced that they were splitting up Boba Flex and, and going to be launching the new band. They were going to be coming back through. Cause I had seen them at their last New Jersey show. It was them with, um, with, Oh, I have the fucking CD right here. My brain doesn't work when I need it to. Uh, Nine Electric, who also has since broken up. Um, oh, Nine Electric broke up when they break up. They they announced it on Facebook uh, a few months ago, and I I don't know what their singers doing, but I know that their their guitarist is working on a new Ooh. band. But I wonder yeah, how I much I wonder how many bands because of the situation going on right now broke up. Yeah, man, I don't really. But so we went to that show, and that was supposed to be their last Jersey show. And then they said, "Oh, we're gonna come back through to Long Island." And so I made plans with Jimmy to sort of have have a do, interview him for the show about the new band. And then they wound up canceling that show, and then hmm. everything, everything this year, like just everything has sort yeah. of been shitty. So they had a, they, I guess that launching that band sort of got a little bit delayed but they're starting to put music out now and and now all of a sudden instead of talking to you talking about your shit we're, we're this is the the boba flex hour <laughs> that's okay i'm all right with that. i love boba flex they're cool as shit those guys are cool man they're cool in my book yeah i love those so uh the only other thing that i was that i was going to ask you um is what's next for you and and your bands you know with with Annie Mortem, Texas Hippie, I know you kind of said you guys, with, with Annie Mortem, you guys are going to be releasing the single, and you're going to re- release another single in September. You were going to start yeah, with um, the well, THC. Yeah. yeah, but we, man, there's so much going on right now, it's crazy. How I keep up with all this shit, I, I don't know, but um, yeah, so THC, uh, we're going to continue to play shows as much as we possibly can anywhere that shows can happen. So we're going to keep doing that, and then we're re- working on, you know, Really, this winter, I would imagine, we'll probably start getting together to go and start tracking and stuff. And so we'll start the writing process. I know Cord's already working on some stuff, and I've got an, uh, a couple songs I've put down. And then me and Rich, actually, we had a crap. We had a writing session not too long ago where we worked on a song. So that yeah, that band's working on material. And then with uh, with Anti Mortem, our plan is you know we're just 
I just want to play music again with that group. I want to get back to touring and back to, you know, recording and, and, you know, just trying to take the world over the way anybody does with their band. You know, I, I want to keep doing that. I love that group. So, uh, you know, we were going to put out old Washita, uh, like I said, August 1st, we've got a video premiere. And if you go find our, go dig for our unofficial art, you know, unchecked Mark YouTube channel, it'll have the new artwork <laughs> and stuff on it. You'll, you'll find it if you look hard enough. Uh, anyway though, but that'll be coming out August 1st. And then we've got, you know, that'll go to radio. We're doing press, right? We're actually doing press right now in Europe for that song. And then we're waiting till September. We're putting out our, our, we have a new music video. We just filmed back in, we did it the, the weekend we did the shows, the two show that sold out shows. We uh, filmed the music video and did like photo shoot a bunch of stuff. But that video and single will come out um, probably, like I said, I think we're going to put it out the day of our Tulsa show. We're playing, what is it, Mid-State Michigan Bat Recovery Bash or something like that. And then we're playing Dayton, Ohio at Odd Bodies. And then we're playing Thompson House in Newport, Kentucky. And then the Shrine in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we have a couple dates we're still going to be announcing soon. But that'll be like September 3rd through September 12th. Or 13th um and that's when we'll put our new that single out and that single i'll tell you because honestly if this will be aired in august i probably going to tell you what it is but the name of the single is called shut the fuck up so that's it's stfu as we upload for it so we're hoping to get lots of radio play with that <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know satellite would play it maybe but i don't know about i mean if you if you abbreviate it or something you know i i didn't ever think when when Corn had that song "Y'all Want a Single" and the chorus was "Y'all Want a Single," say "Fuck they that, fuck that, fuck that." Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. I was like, "There's no way this is actually gonna get." And it was actually a single with a video, and it was on the radio. I was like, "Really?" And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. Though I mean, it's like like I said, let's go listen to Suicide Boys or something. I mean, like how like any of these artists are like a Drake song. I mean, how that's. You know, I got, uh, it's crazy. You'll have like 12 year olds, you know, walking around singing all these songs and say the most worst, terrible things, but they're all over iHeartRadio and like normal radio format. So it's like, whatever, you know, rock. We say, we say the F word once and we're just, you know, we're all Satan worshipers. <laughs> oh man. Well, I, I, I really hope that, that it's not until fucking 2021 or 2022 that shows start happening back here on the East coast. Man, I, you know, I've had so many people hit me up to come to Jersey. It's so funny that, you know, you're calling me. I'd like uh, that we're talking right now. Cause I've had like, God, at least 15 people since we've told us that the band was uh, going to play some shows saying come to Jersey. And I'm like, man, I think you guys are really locked down right now. It's like, there's some parts of the country because, I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm really hoping that nothing happens to, to cancel our shows that we already have set up because, you know, these states are changing their, you know, their status on, on you know, almost daily on, you know, whether you have mask mandates or you don't or you can have public gatherings if you're at 150, if you're at capacity, if you're out. I mean, there's so many variables change all the time right now. So I hope that they do, if they do shut these down at this point, I'm not going to lie. There's I'm there will probably I'm going to probably would host like a, one of those save the stages rallies and do it in Tulsa and move it to the to the downtown event center area over there. Not the event center, but the downtown city hall and probably just do a protest concert there, honestly, and just, you know, say screw the money. Because at this point, you know, I saw the numbers the other day on the amount of um, people who file 1099 miscellaneous. It's like 98 percent of people's income has been cut out. And, uh, I mean, you know, I just, it's, it's insane what it's, I mean, like the amount of like, you know, I'm not trying to want sympathy by any means, but the amount of income that, you know, people who do what I do that we have lost in this has been outrageous. It's been that way across the board with anybody. And, you know, I'm at the point now where it's like, I can't, we can't afford for this not to, you know, for us to do this because we do for a living. And so, you know, if, if something doesn't give, then I'll be hosting one of the first protest concerts, I guess, because that's what I'm doing. <laughs> right, right, and that actually makes me think. And 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 as a, as a musician, I'm sure that you you have a unique uh, outlook on this. I've been seeing a lot of people post, you know, because with all of this stuff going on with coronavirus and what have you, there have been these like small business stimulus loans and what have you. And I've seen a lot of these things going around Facebook, like oh, like you know, naming like big bands like oh, Green Day and Pearl Jam and blah blah blah. The all of these bands have been, have been recipients of these like small business rescue loans, and and I see like people. You know, again, like just regular music fans, like, oh well, those fucking those fucking rock stars, they don't they don't need that that money. Like, well, you know, I've, they they they're not going to get any of my hard earned cash anymore if they're going to scam the system like I, that. It's like, well, yeah. what, do you, what the fuck do you mean? 
I, like, I don't it, think it, I, it's not Green Day themselves that are probably receiving that money. It's probably the fifth, you know, the 120 people business that runs Green Day, essentially all the I mean, to have, you know, when you come into town and have, you know, 14 semi trailers, you have a crew that's really large and those people yearly survive off of that tour circuit. And I mean, it's like you're saying, yes, we're still doing shows, but we're not. There's no festivals going to happen this year. There's no not, that's over this year. And right. I think that, you know, there's been a lot of causes lately that have been really worth people saying, hey, we need to talk about, you know, have a dialogue about how this is working out for whatever you know cause you want to pick at the moment. And I really at this point feel that I just don't I kid the repercussions of me not continuing to do what I do for a living on my family, on my life. To me, they are they're very severe and serious. You know what I mean? And so I'm not going to much longer be able to have the luxury to, you know, go along with just saying, hey, because I did last time I was all right with it. I was like, OK, I get it. This is really serious and not to you know downplay the seriousness of it all. But I definitely think if, you know, we're going to be able to get together and, you know, say, hey, this cause is upsetting me or protest or get together for whatever reasons. I think that it's not fair to be selective on that. I think that it should, you know, you know, you should allow people to if they're going to get together and have a cause and you know be upset about something all those causes should be. and i get you know you know it's you know there no musicians been killed or something like that but at the same time it's like the, the amount of people that are you know essentially starving and it's like you we said the green day people man that whole crew they don't make green day money they make they make the 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 bottom end of that money that's good money for sure but it's not the, the you know i'm sure green day those guys have probably some savings put back and maybe they can sell a boat or a car or something like that and get through whereas you know the their stage manager their you know their their roadies the their person that you know that designs their merch that they have to or whatever it is you know i mean there's a whole empire behind these people sometimes so i definitely don't because i mean thc we had talked about that too but all of us are, you know, we're just not heads. We'd rather just, I, I'll go get a job and do so. I'm I, like, I literally have worked at the stockyards in Oklahoma City for, or, yeah, in Oklahoma City for like the last like two or three months. So I don't give a shit. I'll do whatever I got to do to fund my projects and survive and, you know, feed my family and stuff. But at the same time, I can only tolerate that so much until it's like, you know, I can tell people right now when we're doing shows, you know, there's like, we're generally both bands, THC and Antimortem are pretty political. We have two pretty different outtakes on everything, but both bands are generally pretty political, I'd say. And the last show or two we've done, we haven't said anything about politics because I think everybody else is just fucking sick and tired of it. They just want to go out to a show and just act like be able to blow some steam off and like, you know, the way you'd go see a comedian or whatever it is and not hear about that shit when you're at a show, you know, you just want to like live a little life. But same time they shut our show down then they're going to force us to have to be upset and say something about it so we'll see what happens so what you're saying is that you might be pissed off and mad about it i might be pissed off and <laughs> mad about it i might have a hundred percent pure american rage i don't know <laughs> yeah oh man well i think that that's uh that is the perfect place to cap this off man i want to thank you for being on the show and again i hope that it's not too long before you're you're back in jersey because i never got to see anti-mortem play in the original uh the original run so be great well, to be able to check that out. We will definitely do our best, our uh, best to make it back over there, Jersey. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you so much.
and from the album New Southern that was anti-mortem with the song 100% Pure American Rage. I want to thank Nevada for being on the show. You can follow him on Facebook. You can follow specifically anti-mortem at anti-mortem band on Facebook or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at anti-mortem USA. But just bear in mind, based on what we said, all of those handles have been inactive for like six years. Maybe they'll get them back eventually. You can also follow J-Bunny's Music Hub on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. I've actually got some ideas for what I might do with the Patreon. It's just a matter of putting putting them on the, uh, on the digital paper, as it were, and seeing if anybody bites. But I've got some ideas finally for that. And don't forget, if you believe in supporting music like I do by buying it, you can follow Industry Embers at Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter, and make sure to use the hashtag #BuyMusic B U Y or it's #BuyMusic B Y E and post any of your music purchases. Uh, as for what's next for the show, I, I finally am caught up with everything. I don't have anything in the can at the moment. Uh, I do have some emails into me with requests for interviews, so I'll probably I'll probably have more stuff coming. I also have something else that I reached out about that I hope I'll be able to get. Uh, a bit later this year. You know, just still, t- until the world stops ending, just doing it all from fucking, uh, from fucking my house and on Skype. But you do what you gotta do, right? Uh, don't forget also, even though I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, my favorite fucking brewery, Ghost Hawk Brewery in Clifton, New Jersey. Go ahead, give them a follow on Facebook and Twitter as well. Let them know that you heard about them through me, just because they're fucking awesome. Again, not a sponsor or anything, just great stuff. So I'm going to leave you today with the new single by Antimortem that I butchered the name of (laughs) during the interview. Uh, This song is called Old Washita. It's available on all music platforms. Go ahead and get it now. Until next time, guys. Oh, my God, what have I done? It seemed to be I killed the preacher's son. (laughs) 